Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? It is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We are back, second straight night, and as you notice, there's a different guy over to uh, my left, uh, over to my right. Uh, for some of you, uh, it is Zach Hubbard who is back with us, and for the first time on camera, man, uh, it's got to be uh, some experience for you. Uh, first time, you know, being uh, able the the listeners being able to see you. Normally, they get to stare at our two ugly mugs, but we're glad that uh, you're here. You're bringing uh, a little bit of pizzazz uh, to this edition of the podcast. But, uh, brother, how it's, how's it been, man? I know it's been a little bit of time here since uh, we talked. You know, 2024 class sort of wrapped up. We got into the start of the season. Things died down a little bit. But, man, this 2025 class, the Tariels, they're hitting it pretty hard out of the gate. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit surreal to be here sort of in this scenario. You know, we've been talking about this for a while. Now we're up from two ugly mugs to three uh, in in terms of the video content. So, you know, glad to be here. Glad to continue it. And um, always excited to talk about some recruiting. Yeah, man. And look, we got to get on here because the 2025 class, each of the past two weeks, the Tariels have landed a commitment. uh, And look, they They've started out the year pretty hot on the recruiting trail in general, especially in the state of North Carolina. And let's do that. Let's talk about the most recent commitment that they had in this 2025 class. And that is a guy who's unranked, but, you know, this is a familiar position for Carolina. They did that a lot back in the 2024 class when they first started rolling guys in. Trey Blue, an interior offensive lineman, just on campus again this past weekend. He comes in. 
Uh, clearly, you know, impressed by what he saw yet again. Uh, this was his second visit to campus, I believe. I think he might have been there uh, a time or two before that when he was still uh, – before he had been offered. Um, but, look, Carolina is most significant offer out there. This is a guy that the Tar Heels really got on, in on early. I think they like his size a lot. Um, but this is, you know, somebody that I think kind of fits into that mold as a lot of the guys that we talked about, Zach, in the 2024 class. As a guy that's a bit of a project, but there's some things that you really like about him. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with all that. And a lot of it is, like you mentioned, I think the number one plus right now is his size. Um, listed, you know, depending on what recruiting service that you want to look at, around the 6'5 range, around, you know, 3'10", 3'15", and tons of weight. So in terms of where he's at from a measurable standpoint, at least in terms of height and weight, he's basically already where he needs to be uh, to be on a college campus here as, you know, entering into or, you know, at the start of his high school junior season. So great size already, a little bit of a project. Uh, when you put on the film, you see a guy that still is sort of looking as to understand how to use his body, not only in, you know, moving the right way, but also in in being physical of how to use that physicality. Sort of looks like a guy that's been um, – you know, just living off of maybe some height or some size for some time being, so is still sort of learning what it's going to take to be a high-level offensive lineman. But you have to like so, sort of the overall materials that you have here. And it seems like it's one where he's good at good hands in Cary High School. They believe in him, was at right tackle in his sophomore year, now likely will be at left tackle in his junior year. So he'll definitely be one to watch, and he's one that – you know, the staff liked early. Um, as we discussed with the 2024 class, Randy Clements is not shy about a guy when he likes him, and he's not shy about going and, you know, doing what he can to get that commitment. That's sort of what we saw uh, for the most part with the 2024 group, and that looks to continue with this 2025 group. Coach Clements, known for being a good evaluator of talent, known for, you know, being a guy that can do a lot of stuff with these sort of more raw, underrated guys. So, you know, you just sort of have to trust the process here. Still two years of high school that he'll be able to get film, get experience. But th there's certainly a lot to like here. And I, I think, you know, optimistically, it's one that we'll see sort of develop over these next two seasons into, you know, a true blue prospect here. Yeah, I think, you know, the the biggest thing, uh, and I see what you did there. I like that. Um, I, I, I think <laughs> the biggest thing with him is that, you know, you look at the size, that's something that you can't coach. That's something that's not going to come with development. I mean, he's still in high school, but you, you could put on that size. But at the same time, like you see it when you turn on his his tape, um, clearly he's not going to stick at, at tackle. I, I think he's a guy that they're going to want to project more inside. Um, so I think, you know, the, the fact that he is already as big as he is, is very, very promising. You know, there's some a lot of things. I noticed the physicality as well. That's something that I want to see an uptick in, especially from his sophomore film. And I, I, you know, with him, I mean, this is a guy, there's not a lot of information on him. If you go back and look, um, it is it is very, very thin. That's probably, you know, in, in all my time doing this, writing about prospects um, whenever they commit, this is probably the least amount of information I've been able to put into uh, a commitment article for somebody. There's just, I mean, he plays at a school that, 
Um, is relatively nondescript. They are not good. They have not won a game so far this year. Um, in terms of their history, Jordan Adams is the most significant guy that's come out of there. Um, but other than that, you know, it's it, there hasn't really been a whole lot. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to find a lot of stuff on him. But, you know, I, I thought when I turned on his film, I saw a guy that moves his feet very well. Um, I, I saw a guy that, you know, I, I think his hand placement is really, really solid. And that's how he's going to win. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing is, you know, when you have good footwork, when you have good hand placement, I think that allows you to be a really good pass protector. And one of the areas that Carolina has really struggled with when it comes to their guard play is pass protection. Um, you know, I thought, you know, this past weekend we talked about it when we recapped the game last night, you saw Carolina pass protect well, and we saw how big of a difference that made. I mean, the fact that Drake May was able to um, really be able to stand back there and pick apart that Minnesota defense, it made a huge difference. And you're going to want that, especially moving forward with quarterbacks that may not have the same type of, you know, just raw talent that Drake May has back there. So I really think that, you know, this is this is a guy that, that can fit that mold. Um, to me, I, I think being able to coach more physicality, being able to coach better run blocking, um, which is probably the areas that he needs to improve in, that is so much easier than coaching, coaching pass protection. If guys simply just do not have the footwork, they do not have the athleticism, it's really tough to develop that. He's got all that stuff. It's just, hey, we need to find a way to get you to be a little bit more uh, you know, mean when it comes to, you know, playing in the trenches on those rundowns. I think it's more than possible for him. Um, and, and I really do think, you know, it, it's so much about upside with these guys, especially when you talk about these linemen. You're talking about guys that are coming in. Uh, it's going to take them a few years to develop anyway. So, you know, for Carolina, I, th this is not going to be the headliner of their offensive line group either. It's a guy that's an in-state prospect with somebody that, the staff has really grown close with. They had him out. Um, you know, the, what, what he got an offer at one of the prospect camps earlier this year. So they saw the intangibles that they like, and they feel like it's something they can build on. So I like them taking the risk here. Now, the thing is, is that he's the second commitment in the state of North Carolina in this class. The, you look, Carolina waited a while in this past class to sort of get going in state. Got some big fish at the end, really helped to solidify what was a class that at times we were talking about and saying, look, it's a little bit concerning that they're not bringing in a bunch of big names from in state. For Carolina to get the top quarterback in the state, to get in on a guy that you know could be probably a middle of the road offensive lineman in the state of North Carolina, but still a guy that you know is an in-state prospect to get two of those guys already committed it feels like Zach, this is a pretty big step for carolina to get off to a good start not only just on the in the class in general but in the home state where people were starting to get a little concerned about outsiders invading yeah absolutely i mean that's something we've mentioned a ton especially throughout the 2024 class in terms of uh, seeing a little bit of a downtick in terms of North Carolina's in-state recruiting and then seeing other people come in. So it, it's always a good start to, you know, get that train rolling early, like you mentioned. One of the big things there is, of course, having your quarterback already committed uh, in Bryce Baker, another in-state guy. You've sort of added an offensive lineman for him at this point. So, you know, they're building a basis at this point that they didn't have the, the option 
opportunity to build in 2024. Looks to be a little bit of a you know better in-state class in 2025. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Obviously, there's going to be uh, those same teams that sort of took guys in the 20 or will take guys, I should say, in the 2024 cycle. Um, they're going to come to the state again. They're going to be, you know, in the, in the mix again. That's not going to change. So you're going to see schools like South Carolina, Clemson, Tennessee, the Virginia schools will likely try. You'll see schools like Georgia come in. You'll see, you know, some of these a little bit further schools, whether it be Alabama, Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, they're going to come scout these kids and likely recruit some of these kids. So, you know, it, it's really encouraging that North Carolina can sort of build this basis early and really see how far they can take it in state this year as compared to the previous cycle. All right, well, let's talk about the guy that probably a lot of people, uh, you know, are, are, are a little more interested because, as it always seems to be on the defensive side of the ball, when you've had the struggles that Carolina's had, they're always looking for guys that can help them to do uh, take the next step and, and get better. And I think, you know, Camden uh, Loudenslager is, is probably one of those guys. I really liked what I saw from him. Um, you know, I think he he's a guy that sort of fits what Carolina's looking for um, in, in terms of their edge rushers, you, again, another guy that frame-wise, a little bit thin, but we've seen Carolina really bring in a lot of those types of guys. Malachi Hamrick, this past class, uh, Curtis Simpson, and then, you know, even to uh, a lesser extent, guys that were a little bit bigger but not uh, really more in the range that uh, Ladenschlager's in. Uh, Tyler Thompson in this past class, Jabron Harvey, who are both true freshmen, you know, I watched him, and the thing that stuck out the most to me is I I just love the motor that this dude played with. There was never a play that he takes off. He's a guy that uh, is, is very loud, very boisterous on the field. Um, but I like that. I like that a little bit from the defensive lineman. Um, I, I, I left, you know, watching his film, I, we, we talk about blue chip prospects in our mind being top 500 guys. He's just inside the top 500 I left that saying to myself, I could see this guy being someone that moves up enough to challenge to be a fringe four-star type prospect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned, the first thing that sticks out in terms of him is just that motor, that energy that he brings. And that's, you know, that's paramount to any, uh, whether it be a defender or just a line of scrimmage player, you've got to sort of have that, that edge, that spirit uh, to play up there to be physical on the line of scrimmage. Um, similar to Blue, I think that this is another guy that you're going to want to see sort of how he develops over the next two years, how he plays, um, you know, over the next two years leading into his, um, you know, into his college career. Um, he's a guy, like you mentioned, a little bit uh, thinner at the time. He's listed around 6'3", between 215, 225. Um, that looks to be mostly upper body, looks a little skinny in the ankles. So, mm-hmm. you know, would like to see likely when he gets into college strength and conditioning to sort of build out that frame, add some muscle mass there. Uh, in terms of what he plays with, like I mentioned, already mentioned sort of his his motor, his edge. Um, when I look at how he plays the edge, how he rushes the passer, he's not really a guy that's going to just bulldoze his way past an offensive tackle. He's very slippery, very good at disengaging. Uh, there are some things to work on. Want to see, you know, better use of his hands a little bit. Want to see maybe him get a little bit lower. He does play a little bit high at times, but I think he's good in pursuit. Um, I think he's overall good off the edge. And uh, obviously it's a little early. His film is just sort of on the edge, but I, I think just looking at his overall frame, 
you know, I, it's not impossible that in the future he could be a guy that's more of an off-ball linebacker that, you know, comes down and blitzes and rushes the passer. I think he's got that ability, um, at, at least in terms of his frame and his overall makeup. He looks like a guy that can be a little bit rangy. So we'll sort of have to see how he develops as well uh, in terms of his overall frame, his overall body. If he wants to see stay at edge, I think there's some things to work on. But I think his pursuit is really good. I think he moves well in short bursts, which I think is really key. So I, he does sort of fit, you know, what the edge prospect has been over the last uh, really, you know, going into the second year now under uh defensive coordinator Gene Chizik and you know that's sort of what we're seeing a lot in college football as as a whole is these sort of smaller whether they be weak side defensive ends or edge players outside linebackers whatever terminology individual uh, defensive coordinator wants to use there's a lot of these guys sort of popping up of being more rangy more versatile edge prospects that you know the main job is to rush the passer but they can do other things as well and I, I kind of think that he fits into that mold, and we'll see how he develops over the next few years and, and really what he turns into as a prospect. But very exciting, right on that cusp, top 500. So, you know, right on what we like to look at. And, you know, a, a guy sort of in an area that North Carolina has gotten a ton from, sort of that, um, you know, northeast section, that Pennsylvania, that's never a bad place to get a prospect. I mean, yes, schools like Pitt, Penn State, they get guys from there. They tend to be, you know, very hard-nosed, very um, – you know, workmanlike guys, uh, especially along that defensive line. So always a great sign to get a guy sort of in that vein. Yeah, I mean, the DMV area is an area that Carolina, I think, definitely wants to establish themselves in. A lot of talent has come out of there in recent years. Um, you know, a team that has had a lot of success there, just like in the state of Virginia, where you've had success as Penn State, and you've seen how they've sort of built up their program. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that's an area that Carolina has to be happy that they're getting into. Um, you know, in terms of, of Loudenschlager, I, 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 by, as a prospect, I, I really do like him. I, I, you know, I think you're right. I think there could be that potential to play off ball if they eventually need him to. And, look, Carolina needs depth at, at middle linebacker. There's no doubt about that. Mac Brown has talked about that so many different times. Um, he's still talking about it, even at this point of the season. Uh, when they asked him about it the other day. But I do think that this is a guy that you just look at the mindset. And, yeah, I, I, w what you said I think is is right. I I like the way that he was able to shed blocks. I, I thought there were some uh, – he just does a good job of, of keeping uh, those offensive tackles from getting their hands on him. Uh, I think he has, you know, really nice speed off the edge, quick release off the line of scrimmage. Um, it's all the stuff that you want to see from defensive ends, from edge rushers. And yeah, I mean, with the with the motor, I mean, that's really what you're looking for, especially from the edge rushers. And I'm not saying, I think this year, more than the last few years, you're seeing it from Carolina's edge rushers, that guys are playing every single snap. I think there's a different energy from Des Evans this year. Kamen Rucker's always been that type of guy. They're finally giving him more run. This guy feels like he's sort of in that Cayman Rucker type category of a guy that is really just going to give it his all every time that he's out there. Um, I, I think, you know, you just you you look at you know how good he is. To me, the the, the thing that I think is really encouraging with him, and that I I really do think I want to see at that edge rusher position 
you're not that you're not seeing even right now. I love the way that he seals the edge in the run game. I, I think he does a tremendous job. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's a very smart player. Um, and, and again, you go back to being able to shed blocks and make plays in the backfield. That's one of the things that Carolina struggles with at times. You know, even even when they're rushing the passer well, is they still struggle at times to get off the ball, to shed blocks, and make plays in the run game. This is a guy that can do both for you. And I really do feel like when you look at all the things that he has, that combination there, that's why I think he has the chance to be a four-star prospect. He's in a talent-rich area. Um, he's going to face some really good competition. I think this guy, as he continues to progress, he's going to get more and more exposure. Um, you know, he, he plays at McDonough High School. That's a pretty well-known high school in uh, that DMV area. And I think that as he gets more exposure, you're going to see a lot more of these recruiting websites start to hold him um, you know, more highly. I think the other thing that's really interesting with him is you look at the start of the season that he has already this year, uh, three games played so far this year, and he already has 23 total tackles, which leads his team, eight tackles for loss which is already more than he had a year ago, and six sacks, which is more than he had a year ago. Also has three fumble recoveries, if that wasn't enough for you. Um, so a guy that is really making a huge impact early on. This dude, I, I just – he is a guy that has an extremely high ceiling. It feels like he really just cracked the surface last year, and now he's going to get to sort of build himself up as a junior, really explode onto the scene potentially as a senior – and that's why I think, you know, this is this is a really good first edition for Carolina. I know a lot of people were crushed when Gus Ritchie ended up flipping his commitment. It's still one of the weirdest things I've really seen in recruiting. I got to be honest with you, to go on a podcast with your family there with you and commit to one school and then flip within a week, it's just insane. But I think that, you know, Carolina, they, they addressed it pretty quickly. This is a guy that they had a pretty good relationship, I think, with even during that time. And maybe they were going to bring him in. But now you, you've sort of already filled that spot that Gus Ritchie left behind at the edge rusher spot with a guy that I think, at least in my opinion, I think has bigger upside there. Because one, this is his position that he's solely focused on. Remember, Gus Ritchie was a guy that was playing tight end too. So now having a guy that's just focused on playing defensive end, how much does that help him sort of grow? And two, I think he's, you know, at a school that's probably going to test him a little bit more. Northwood High School in Pittsburgh, their level of competition is not great. That was one of the things we talked about with Gus Ritchie. So I think it's 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 interesting to say the least, you know, that Carolina goes out, replaces him as quickly as they did. And I think gets a really good prospect, Zach, to start off the defensive side of the ball in this class where I think Carolina, you know, once again, has some work to do to continue to try to build the depth that's starting to show up, but it's due to a lot of what they've done in the transfer portal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned, they've sort of uh, built this roster not only in the transfer portal, but uh, had multiple, uh, you know, great classes that are sort of maturing, and they've got to keep that going. They've got to keep that you know, defensive 
um, you know, that defensive rotation going into the future because, you know, Cayman Rucker, Desmond Evan, those guys that you mentioned there on the edge, Amari Gaynor out of the transfer portal, those guys are not going to be there forever. They're going to be, you know, gone by the end of this year, if not next year, most likely, uh, you know, all three of them, I, if I, you know, remember their eligibility correctly. So, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to have some of those other guys step up and it's, it is a constant process. That is what recruiting is. That's why it's, you know, 24, seven, 365 is that there's, you're always going to need more at this position. You're always going to need another quarterback. You're always going to need another offensive lineman. You're always going to need another edge player because the seasons keep going and going. So yeah, they've got to continue that. They've got to, you know, show not only on the field sort of that they can follow through on that development, but they've got to continue to identify guys that they want and, you know, get these early commitments. And I, I have to agree with you. I think it's a great start to what this defensive class will be. Uh, as we mentioned before, you know, we also have a great start to the in-state class. So we'd like to see, you know, some of those guys be on the defensive side as well. But all in all, you know, it, it's hard to really ask for a better start uh, if you're North Carolina for how this 25, 2025 class, excuse me, is starting out. And, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be uh, more surprises along the way here this fall. Yeah, I mean, look, Dave, I, I think reestablished themselves pretty well. I really do feel like you're seeing a lot of big name prospects, especially, you know, again, hitting the state of Georgia very hard. We talked about how important that is for Carolina and the success that they've had there. In state guys, um, you know, uh, one guy that you know, I, we've seen on campus a lot here recently, Tayshawn Alston is a big guy that Carolina is looking at and, and could be closing in on, I think, sooner rather than later. Um, but, I mean, there's just – there's so much – this is another really talented group in the state of North Carolina in uh, this upcoming cycle. And I think, you know, with the way that they close the 2024 cycle, look, that is not final yet. So they've still got some work to do in that class to keep guys. I mean, I know a lot of people – uh, immediately panicked when they saw that Malcolm Ziegler received an offer from Georgia. I, I don't really know if, if that's going to have any impact on him. I think, honestly, it's still even a little bit too early uh, to speculate as to whether or not that actually does have an impact. Um, but I, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of guys that Carolina has in the state, um, you know, in, in, in the 2025 class, um, that I think are, are, are probably even higher rated than than Ziggler was, who we, we said at the time was uh, the gem for Carolina. We're hoping they're able to hold on to him. Guys like uh, Alex Taylor. I mean, there are legitimately huge names that Carolina is in the running for in this upcoming class. David Sanders, the offensive tackle uh, from Providence Day School. Look, that one is going to be a, a fight that like none other they're going to have of course at least for the time being and carolina's got to continue to recruit this guy we've been hammering that home jordan ship is a guy carolina has to continue to recruit hard um we heard it and and we've heard it just about every time that they've done an interview with jaden davis that he is trying to get him to flip but if carolina can keep jordan ship's commitment then you have to imagine that he's going to play a big factor with david sanders you got another guy that's ranked inside of the top 50 prospects in the class in Bryce Davis, who Carolina seems to be in really good standing for. And then you've got another guy that's right outside of the top 100 as of right now, according to 24-7 Sports, rated at 101 in the class, and Isaiah Campbell um, from right down the road in Durham. 
So, I mean, man, Carolina, this this is a huge, huge year in the state for them. Um, and for them to already have some momentum, I, I think is just massive. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Zach, uh, is actually, believe it or not, pertaining to the 2024 class. And uh, this is an offer that Carolina extended uh, the other day on Monday to Leroy Jackson, who is a three-star defensive lineman from Leesburg, Georgia. Now, Carolina already has 26 commitments in the 2024 class. We've said this, look, it's going to take really an elite guy, something that Carolina feels like they they still have a weakness at that they really need to address. And the interior of that defensive line, I think, might still be one of those areas. Remember, Carolina was trying to add a second guy along the defensive line, along with Peter Pesanski. Uh, the guy that they had lined up was Justin Terrell. He committed to NC State. Now Carolina has extended an offer uh, to a guy out of the state of Georgia where they've had a lot of success in that state already in the 2024 cycle. What do you make of that, Zag? And do you think that there is a chance that Carolina could be looking to add, if, the, if there are any other spots that they're looking to add at, that defensive line spot is the spot where they potentially get that 27th commitment? Yeah, well, and I do think that they are looking. Obviously, this offer would seem to suggest that. And, you know, I'd mentioned that previously, mm-hmm. sort of when we said, like, hey, this the class looks to be wrapped up, that if they look anywhere, it's going to be defensive line. They had uh, four initially down to three at the moment. Um, so uh, they, they were definitely at least looking. But obviously, at this point in the cycle, not only, you know, for North Carolina, but just in the country as a whole, you know, most of these guys in the 2024 class, surprisingly enough, I mean, they have a whole high school season to play uh, for the most part, but most of these guys know the schools either that they are interested in if they're still uncommitted and taking visits or they're committed and they're, they're pretty well done on that. So, you know, I, I think this season, this fall, they're going to be Looking around at options, obviously, you know, Leroy is one that they're looking at right now. We'll see sort of how that progresses. But I I think there's a few factors in play, not only the fact that they may want to take a defensive lineman. uh, Do they want to take one in high school? Do they want to potentially look in the transfer portal? Do they feel that they need immediate help or do they just need, you know, another body at this time? Um, Do they want to have that spot open for, you know, a transfer portal player somewhere else? Um, that, that's really sort of what they're looking at this time. So there's a lot of factors in play here. Um, and, you know, they have the spots that they have for 24. They're going to have a certain number of transfer portal spots. They're going to have spots for guys returning to the roster. I mean, and that's going to be the majority of guys, of course, on your roster. So there's a lot of, I would say, moving parts at this time. I don't know where this recruitment's going to go. I would not be surprised if there were other ones offered. I would not be surprised if, you know, they have offers that go nowhere, including this one. I, I think there's a lot going on. So it's really, really too early to tell sort of what they're going to do if they pursue another guy on the defensive line for the 2024 class. But I think if and when a decision is made, they're going to move quickly there. If it's one of these guys that's a little bit of a lower-rated high school player, they'll probably bring him in on a visit, maybe an official visit things could progress from there or they might save it for the transfer portal it's really hard to say at this point in september but it feels like something that we might have some more information on more towards november december january as they get towards the end of the season guys get towards the end of their high school season maybe want to be early enrollees 
that's sort of where you see a lot of these decisions being made. Yeah, well, the interesting thing with him, and you know, I, I I went and looked when they offered him, and I said, okay, why all of a sudden now is this a guy that's on their radar? Um, never really heard his name at all before that. Um, and the big reason why is, I mean, you look at his junior year a year ago, 29 total tackles, three tackles for loss, no sacks, nine hurries. Solid, especially for an interior defensive lineman. What's happened this year, he's played five games this year. He has 21 total tackles, nine tackles for loss, six sacks, 10 quarterback hurries. So this is a dude... We've seen this before, Zach, where guys just blow up their senior year. All of a sudden, something clicks, and okay, now this guy's putting it all together, and Carolina is one of those ones that says, hey, well, we were potentially looking at somebody where he plays. Let's uh, let's extend an offer here. Let's see if there is really something here. Um, I think this might be one where Carolina sort of – Lux themselves into now. I, I think. Look, if Carolina wants him, I think this is one where you probably want to push hard because he's off to this type of start. Georgia Tech's a team that's been on him for a while, so that's not that. That's one where hey, he's known that's an option. I, that you would imagine they're still going to be pushing hard for him. That's probably your biggest challenger at this point. Iowa State was a team that offered him uh, that he really liked back in the summer. He took an official visit to Cincinnati. He took an official visit to Illinois. So those are the other teams that are currently players for him. But you just want to make sure that, hey, if this is someone we want, you know, there are going to be other teams probably in your own conference. Maybe some SEC teams potentially take a look at him. You know, team like Auburn, they always seem to have success in, in that area of Georgia. So I think Carolina, if they really want him, they got to jump in here and try to make a push. And I think it makes sense. You know, Pisansky is a guy that I think, you know, you, you when you look at him just in terms of his film, you look at the measurements, he's a guy that's 260 pounds. He's probably somebody that in an ideal world at that size, you're playing him at the power end spot. Um, if you, you know, if you want to, hey, we'll add a little bit more weight to you. We'll play you on the interior of the defensive line. But ideally, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, let's you know try to get him to play the power end spot because he's going to be around 265, 270. Um, I, I really think that Carolina wants to get a traditional defensive lineman in this class, a guy that they know can play on the interior because it's still, you know, as good as the edge rushers have been, I still think that's an area that's been a little bit of a weakness. There's a lot of upperclassmen there. I mean, you're talking about Miles Murphy, upperclassman, Kevin Hester, upperclassman, Tamari Fox, upperclassman. I mean, it's just you are going to be rolling a lot of those guys out, out of there. So I think getting somebody in there that's younger, that you can possibly develop, I think it makes a lot of sense for Carolina in this class, and that's something we'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, so uh, we're going to shut it down for this edition of the podcast. Hey, guys, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check it out. Uh, we got the articles up there uh, to break down. The two guys that we talked about in depth here a little bit further, Trey Blue, uh, the most recent guy, and, of course, Camden Loudenschlager. You guys can go back and take a look at that. Uh, when you go over to the Hilltop Blog website, there will be a tab up at the top that says Football Recruiting. Click on that. That'll take you exactly where you want to go, right to that page so that you can just get the football recruiting stuff. Um, so make sure you're checking that out. Of course, 
on the field. Carolina off to a 3-0 start. Uh, we've got, you know, the recap of the game against uh, Minnesota up there. If you guys want to check that out, the stock report is up there as well. Who's trending up? Who's trending down? Heading into a game against Pittsburgh. Uh, that could be huge for Carolina. If they can get over the hump, if they can win that game and get to 4-0 for the first time since 1997, man, that would feel really, really good. Also, they could beat Pitt on the road under Matt Brown. That'd feel nice as well. Uh, but we'll have you covered on that front. Preview of that game, recap, stock report after that one. And, of course, we'll be taking you throughout the rest of the season. It's going to be a little bit weird, guys. Already a bye week coming up after this week. So uh, we're going to be trying to spin some content to you guys. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have some recruiting stuff uh, to go over. But uh, that is going to officially wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, first, I want to thank Zach Hubbard for coming on here tonight. First time on camera. I thought you did a tremendous job, man. Uh, I, I love it. And I think, you know, this is something that, the viewers, you know, they've really, really liked it. I think it's a great way to interact. Um, I know tonight, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about guys that have been committed for a little bit when we're doing ones that, you know, probably are a little bit closer to certain commitments, especially some of the big name guys. We'll start getting some of those comments rolling in and everything like that. But uh, glad you were along for the experience and really hope you enjoyed uh, tonight being able to get on camera and and, and talk to us and, and interact face to face. I know it's virtual, <laughs> but still face to face, you know, still face to face. <laughs> so yeah i want to thank zach hubbard for hosting with me I want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always go tar heels Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.